Since the inception of the college football playoff in 2014, the Sun Belt leads FBS with a 614 bowl winning percentage. Since 2020, just 10 FBS programs have won more than 75% of their games, and the Sun Belt is tied with the SEC, the Big Ten, and the Big 12 with two teams on that list. Coastal Carolina is 31 and, 31 and 9 with an 816 winning percentage over that time, and Louisiana is 29 and 9 with a 763 winning percentage over that time. The Sun Belt has had multiple 10 win teams for five straight seasons. The Sun Belt has had a team ranked in the final CFP rankings for four straight seasons. Tired of winning the tailgate but losing the games? We can't help that. But we can tell you what the hell is up with each team and what's going on across sunny San Marcos. Texas State fans, get on your feet. You're listening to Squaring Around with Jacob Rodriguez and Andrew Zimmel. Welcome to the podcast. What's up? Welcome to Squared Around, everybody. I'm Jacob Rodriguez. That's Andrew Zimmel. The incomparable Andrew Zimmel doing this Joe Rogan style with headphones. Yeah, dude. I'm actually, I'm like, I listened to our audio levels and I was like, you know what? One of us has to make sure that we like sound good. So let's, let's do this. I just uh, actually, speaking of audio levels, speaking of our show as a whole, actually, just dropped some money actually from, you know, you know, we've been collecting a little bit of checks. We've, we've gotten some, some money left and right. Looking actually for a sponsor for our fall stuff. I just realized actually too, like how much this shit is going to take over our lives basically for the next like six months. I was like, ah, we do a podcast, whatever, you know, but no, it's going to be a lot of fucking work. But this week was actually the first week that I also realized that content just comes to us now because we've been kind of just free balling it, having a good time covering a bunch of the spring sports. And then get into like deep summer content where everybody's like, oh, I have nothing to talk about. If you don't have anything to talk about, that's your fucking problem, man. So <laughs> There's always gonna, shit to talk about. Is this is this how you break to the fans that we're doing multiple podcasts a week? Yeah, multiple podcasts a week. And even appearing on some other uh, Republic of Football podcast network um, podcast, too. So I just actually talked to the guys from the Baylor podcast, Between Two Bears. And they are super down to do something with us that week. So like kind of a preview episode. Yeah. Very cool. And I know that we were invited or one of us was on the uh, UTSA podcast. It was not me. So oh, might I, have was been you. I was invited. I, th- I thought you got the invite. No, Did neither one of us got invited. All right, well. No, I mean, I could hit up the Alamo Audible guys. Those are our guys. I don't, you I don't, don't wanna... want to talk to the rivals guys, though, too. Those guys have been covering UTSA for a long ass time. You know? Yeah, yeah. But since before they even like barely had a program, they're when the so, Alamo Dome was so just there. well that they've covered this team actually like through UTSA's ascension that they're like the media guys basically. Like anytime they have like a what's it called like a their national signing day presser, that's all done through them. So it's kind of cool. Oh yeah, no. I mean, the, like if the yeah. athletics department at Texas State just trusted you and I to run their stuff, give it a couple years. A couple, a couple years. years, Chris. I'm looking at you, buddy. Give us the keys to the castle. <laughs> no, I mean, no, it's it's really cool. We got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Uh, football season, man, it's really freaking close. You can almost taste it, dude. It's like right there. Yeah, and a deep tease too, Andy, for next week, right? Is August 8th. You'll be yes. in town. We will do yes. a different form of this same podcast, kind of workshopping some ideas for this upcoming season. 
I know I'm, I'm in the one, the one time in town tour. So we'll, uh, we'll have to hit all the spots and do everything. So it'll be exciting. It'll be exciting to finally do this podcast in person with you after doing it over zoom for almost a year. Now we've, we're pushing a year. You said what, a, 34 weeks. Yeah. It was a trial period. So, you know, you were, you were like a little conditional. You were like, Oh, well, you know, I can hit cancel anytime. I don't want to do this, <laughs> but now we've made it. Oh yeah, dude. We, 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 we made it. Uh, Andy, I was telling you before we got on here that I truly did not know how good the Sun Belt was until one, I went to Texas State and I was like, okay, well, football. But like you kind of go deaf to it because of how bad Texas State football is. You know, obviously we hear about how good the volleyball team, how good the baseball team, how good the softball team, how good the track team is in the Sun Belt and then the national levels as a whole. But football is a different story. You went deaf to it. I have hosted a Sunbelt podcast for two years and have like been, I've been in this. So look, I'm glad that you're finally like you. I'm reformed. I'm a Sunbelt truther now. It's funny enough. I was just talking to a friend of mine who goes to A&M today. And he was talking about how, when they go to their, whatever the maroon and white camp or whatever, that they drink the Kool-Aid essentially. And he said that his freshman year was 2016. They showed a video of like sec propaganda, essentially about like, yeah, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Florida, right? And like, this is the conference. You root for the conference. You root for your team. You root for the conference. I don't necessarily root for the Sun Belt, but in the uh, group of five Super Bowl that we had last year between Troy and UTSA, I 100% was pulling for Troy. You yeah. know what I mean? So you you learn about these different teams and you kind of root. You root for the Sun Belt Conference when they're playing, say, App State against AM or when, uh, when Marshall is playing West Virginia. You're going to root for the Sun Belt team just because it makes the conference look better in that also helps our seeding at some point when we become good enough, when the Texas state football program is good enough to get a winning season period. But like when we're good enough to get like a 10 win season and we're potentially a top 25 ranked team, if the Sun Belt conference has been dominating for five, seven years, when you win the conference, Hey, maybe we're a top 25 team now because we beat this incredible conference. You know what I mean? We get the, 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 the colloquial, uh, power six right that's what they wanted to uh the 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 power six we want to be that like power five conferences here's texas state when it comes or here's the sun belt when it comes to money when it comes to regional impact when it comes to uh competitiveness everything yeah you were talking about you know just getting ranked national rankings the college football playoff scene expanding eventually um these are all topics that were covered at media day last week and you know obviously this is a texas state podcast we cover texas state we only really care about texas state Everybody else can get out of the way and shove it. But uh, as a whole, I'm a huge Sunbelt fan. Uh, I've always been. I thought they've treated us very well. They treated you and I very well, too. They gave us media credentials. So shout out to the Sunbelt. Um, Commissioner Keith Gill walked out to Rapper's Delight last week. As I approached the podium, my walk-up music, Rapper's Delight by the Sugar Hill Gang, filled the room. I was seven years old when this song first dropped, and I thought it was amazing. Rapper's Delight sampled a little Curtis Blow, combined a little funk, and some hip-hop. Hearing this iconic song today brings back wonderful childhood memories and reminds me of the value and importance and impact of music. Every time I hear the song, it brings a smile to my face and makes me want to rise. A perfect anthem for Sunbelt Football Media Day. And essentially pushed out their new campaign as an entire conference called Sunbelt is Rising. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the power of a word. The anticipation, the adrenaline, the hair on the back of their necks rising. The crowd, the score rising. Greatness rising. The sun rising. Sometimes a word is best left all by itself. The Sun Belt Conference, 14 universities, 10 states rising. And the main theme of this is that everything is trending upward. As you were saying, the CFB, national rankings, you know, the, the Sunbelt, it felt like has put in all their chips and has gone like, hey, we're next run up, like not even next one up. Like we've proven ourselves on a national scale, you know? Uh, yeah. And I, a couple of years ago, I made the point that the ACC outside of Clemson and Miami was kind of a group of five conference to be completely honest with you. And now you look at where we're at now with UCF moving to the big 12, uh, BYU moving the big 12 Houston. So now there is that kind of hole where the conference USA conference America used to be. And I think the Sunbelt is a primed to fill that void. Yeah, no, I agree. And we, we kind of hinted at it, like how good the Sunbelt East is like any of those teams, like on any given Sunday, I think that's, what's the most painful part of being not just a Texas state fan, but being a person whose team is in the Sunbelt is that like on any given Saturday, any given, whatever time your team is playing some school that you may not have heard of that you may not know is very good could kick your ass. And even the teams that are kind of bad in the Sunbelt uh, can be good. Here's what I'm going to go with this. I want this. I'm pretending this to be because I feel like myself and a lot of the older Texas State fans know how good the Sunbelt is. And I think that younger fans, college age fans, I, that's how I, I think you represent those fans on this podcast yeah. that like in this in. Yeah. In in this situation, at least, because I think that for a lot of us, we were, we knew we, we well, at least for me. Right. I saw the writing on the wall when it came to Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina came in the conference and they were like awful to start, but you saw that they were building something. You could see that like this Grayson McCall kid has something that offensive line is getting brands, like not brand deals, like NIL deals. We're talking like cattle brands and branding the shot to clear on their thighs. Like they're a different level over there. And you look at app state, which was a perennial powerhouse at the FCS, same with Georgia Southern, tend to lean towards the Sunbelt East, knowing that those are teams that are really good. Then you add JMU, which is a team that won a national championship at the FCS level, and Marshall, a team that has historically been a very competitive football game or football team. Sunbelt East is by far the best conference in the group of five. And you, we make the claim here, SEC West, the Big Ten West, or the Big Ten East, and like the Sunbelt East, those are like the three best conferences, I think, in college football this season. Yeah, this is not a big strength of mine, as you'll begin to tell in the rest of this podcast, is like knowing what the hell every conference does. I think only nerds talk about that shit. So the way that we're setting up this podcast is basically for two types of fans. The guy who just went to Texas State and is noticing all this Texas State or take back Texas hype, I should say. And then uh, the crab ass in the stands who's been watching this team for 40, 50 some odd years, you know? who's seen the highs, the lows, the successes, the in-betweens of the Southland Conference era, and then into our entree into you know, being the only Texas team in the Sun Belt. Which we'll get to here, I imagine, in a moment. But that is a geographical win and loss for Texas State. Well, also for the Sun Belt, too. If, you, if you're talking about just how many teams you can add, like what themes that make sense to add, if your only Texas 
uh, team in the biggest sport for any, you know, athletic endeavor, uh, football is not a good performer, high performer. That doesn't exactly bode well. And you look at well, uh, what the American conference did by adding UTSA. I mean, you know, they already had, you know, SMU and some other stuff, but still. Yeah, no. And, and I mean, if we want to get into that, like Texas state joined after being, I forget the conference that they were in before this. It was like they were in the Southland at the FCS oh. level. And then, the, so they get into the, they get into the Sunbelt and it was a newer FBS program. And you kind of are hoping that they sleep. And you think about the teams that were good, not good enough to go to a bowl game or good enough to go to a bowl game in some people's minds, but the bowl games didn't want Texas state for whatever reason. So you, you hope that Texas State gets good. But here's the other thing, Jacob, is that the conversation around Texas State being a bad football program is going to take longer than two seasons to wipe off. It's going to take longer than potentially one coaching hire to wipe off. This is going to be a longer process. I think in the state of Texas, the conversation currently is Sam Houston State, UTSA, and Texas. I think those three programs now like really own the conversation at a state level. At Sam Houston State, because it's their first year, UTSA, because they shocked the world last year, and Texas, because it's the University of Texas. And I think it's going to take a while before Texas State can kind of get into that conversation, even be uh, when Dave Campbell's talks before the season, storylines for that. You know what I mean? Like it's going to take a while. And for the Sun Belt, you hope that it doesn't take super long. You hope that it is a quick process because with Texas State being good, it helps the entire conference. It would really, I think it really would take the conference to the next level. Yeah. And not only that, I was thinking of uh, just like the media implications as well. Like San Antonio. Well, it's tough. San Antonio and Austin kind of share the Bobcats in a sense that, you know, they kind of pick and choose when to show up and when to not show up. But if Texas State suddenly is amazing, and, you know, UT is just whatever UT has been for the last couple of years. You're going to get a lot more coverage by comparison. You know, I, I'm going to push back here a little bit. I'm going to say that I think that no matter what, Texas is always going to get coverage. I think that UTSA, the San Antonio market would be more likely to make the drive up than the Austin market would be to make the drive down. It really comes my, down to how desperate uh, sports reporters are when <laughs> UT is out of town, at least for this season, I think. Like, that's how I would plan the sports coverage is UT is our baby. We got to do everything in Austin to cover this team. And anything else that falls through the cracks is just kind of. Uh, well, the cake. you got to you got to remember, too, Jacob, that they're moving conferences. True. So I think that they're I think the days of UT's out of town, Texas State has a game in town. We'll go down and cover Texas State. I think those days are behind us. I think that the okay. odds of yeah, I think that a lot live of live from Alabama. <laughs> from Tuscaloosa live shots yeah. from Tuscaloosa, especially the first couple of years. You're live shot from Baton Rouge. Like uh, you know, Austin, I wouldn't say is a huge Cowboys market, but San Antonio is probably one of the biggest Cowboys market outside of Dallas. And you already see our guys go to San or you know to Oxnard you know, this yeah. past week to cover the Cowboys camp. So yeah, no, the it, the people are not above traveling to cover whatever team they want to cover. I mean, if the if it pays the bills, right? And currently, Texas State doesn't pay the bills. I think in the foreseeable future, depending how again media theory argument right here, but depending on how media shifts, there's a potential that Texas State might fill some of that void for say newspapers, for say blogs. Maybe that's like uh, an angle as that grows. And of course, the OG podcasters, uh, you yourself and myself, of course, uh, that that pays pays the rent out here. Texas State Athletics. It. 
Andrew, we've talked a lot about G.J. Kinney's offense. It's going to be high-powered. It's going to be powered by Texas State athletes. We're actually powered by Elite Sports. You know, it's the branding company that partners with athletes across the country to make custom brands, custom clothing. Basically, if you want it, they can put a cool graphic on it. And everything that they have on their site represents, you know, an athlete, their vision for what their future looks like after sports. And... When you support them, you support them directly, too. So it's pretty cool with their working with the NIL stuff. Jessica Mullins needs to get a shirt on there because she's going to be a traveling nurse. And that ball travels fast out of her hands. So we need to do something with maybe nurse and, and figure out a way to get her a T-shirt. On the defense side, Joshua Eaton from Texas State Football and DJ Jackson. Oh, Dan Foster Jr., too. So be looking out for the release for those two. You can go... Find all those on EliteSports.com forward slash star and then use code square at checkout. I was thinking about it too. Just like you and I were really here when this team got basically zero media coverage. You know, you, oh, you yeah. did before it was just you and Kef in a couple of press conferences. It was, you know, Colton McWilliams and myself and some other guys from KTSW, you know, just kind of hanging around in the press room being like, hey, this is what we're doing today. That's it. Nobody from Austin, nobody from San Antonio making the trip up. So now I've seen three coaches kind of go through this process of like intense hype and then intense, like kind of like a dry out and then intense hype and then kind of a dry out. It's kind of, I don't know, a cyclical nature of a Sunbelt team entering it and then kind of just like, uh, you know, what happens when you don't win. And I'll say this too, for the Texas State University. So Kelly Danfis, if you're listening to this, this is the part of the podcast where you want to turn it up. It's a win-loss. On one hand, it's really good that you have student media there. You've got guys that like that are learning, that want to be there. It's bad if they're the only people who show up because that is just an echo chamber. KTSW, University Star, that is literally for the students. That is for the students to listen to and maybe a couple of alumni that want to go back and listen, right? Like, let's be honest. But Kate... Uh, you know, whatever we want to say that the, I don't mind even going to give the, the call letters for the Austin stations or the San Antonio station. I'm not going to give them a free pub, but if they want to come up and check Texas state out, that is much more enticing to the Texas state brand, but all of the, none of this matters. I want to talk some about football with you. Yeah. I, I want it. Do you want to talk history first or do you want to talk teams? I want to talk teams. I don't think that you- I think it almost doesn't matter because no. truly for any conference, right? You can talk the SEC, the Big 12. The Big 12 is going to get a new logo like next year because they have so many. They added Colorado last there's, week. There's one, going on. there's one conference in college football that matters when it comes to legacy, and that's the SEC. The rest of them done. The history, you throw the history books away. Everybody else is just trying to catch up. Basically, the highlights, though, from the Sun Belt, founded in 1976, started offering football to members in 2001. Obviously, you've had a lot of like member schools in and out. Uh, Georgia State, South Alabama, two member schools that helped found it and are still in. So those are like the two, you know, I guess, blue chip, you know, schools that have always been Sun Belt schools. Uh, obviously, a lot of like mergers and like add-ins and subtractions, including one of their members, uh, the University of New Orleans itself who was kicked out after basically Hurricane Katrina kind of wiped out the school literally and figuratively. Uh, and they had to repair like financially uh, their actual infrastructure too. So they appealed to the NCAA and were like, help, we need help. <laughs> and that's why they dropped to D2. Um, but yeah, that's why, why I think it's weird that like media day is set up in new Orleans. Cause literally the ghost of this conference is in new Orleans. 
Yeah, I mean, it's also a pretty nice city. According to everybody except Scott. Scott Watkins, who Jacob Rodriguez is famously friends with. Yeah, uh, we we tied the rags like Bloods and Cribs. Yeah, no, he hates New Orleans. He was like, this is a dirty city. It smells. It is dirty. I agree with him. I do love New Orleans just in general. I love jazz music. I love beignets. Sign me up. I, I think we should go next year if we can. I, I think that people overestimate how smelly it is. Like, it's a smelly. It's like every city has its unique smells and tastes. Just leave it alone. That would be a fun road trip again for you and me. Um, your initial impressions. You've been to Sunbelt Media Day. Um, obviously, like not a lot has changed. It's not like we added member schools or anything, though that was like immediately the talk of like, who are we adding? What's going to happen? Are we going to make a run in the CFB playoffs? I thought, I thought you meant they hadn't added members since I've been there. I was like, no, they, they very much did. They very much did add multiple members yeah, since really. I've been to Media Day. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I know. I, who are they going to add? That seems very well, So that's, that's like the thing that everybody wants to talk about. And I think it's also like, fuck off. Like, don't add any schools. Like, I'd like one thing to kind of stay consistent. And then that's how like natural like rivalries kind of build over time, you know? The foundation of the conferences really on regional rivalries. And so everything that we can do to promote playing those regional rivalries, playing those historic rivalries are really important. And divisions do that. And divisions really accentuate that and, and make sure that you're playing teams that are closer to you, that you have some traditional kind of um, history with. So I would anticipate that I don't anticipate, I don't anticipate any changes um, to that and think it's a really foundational core of who we are. Um, but I will say that, you know, we're obviously open-minded, and if we see some data or some information that, that makes us think we should change, whether it's for access to CFP or something like that, we would certainly be open to that. But we feel really good about the divisions. We feel really good about what that's meant for our conference, and, um, and we certainly look forward to kind of continuing that in the, in the future. And, and the Sunbelt Conference, similarly to the SEC, similarly to the Big Ten, they have regional rivalries, and that's something that college football is built on. That's a founding cornerstone to college football. The Sunbelt Conference has a couple of main rivalries. I imagine you want to get into them. Mm -hmm. uh, the one that I like the most is uh, South Alabama and Troy. I like that one the most because it's an interstate rival. Um that one, I, I think, is the best rival. Uh, Georgia Southern and Georgia State, that is another really good rivalry. Uh, Appalachian State and uh, facilities and places that have no shirt, no shoes, no service, that's a rivalry. Um, and then, of course, it's going to be Coastal Carolina versus the entire conference. Uh, nobody in the conference likes Coastal Carolina except me. I ride for Coastal Carolina. You're um, like Kenny Powers, man. You love uh, Myrtle Beach. You love yep. coastal. You love teal fields. You love everything about coastal Carolina yeah. being a Chanticleer. Everything about them. Everything about them is like honestly. If I did it over again, I would. Mm, if I lived in South Carolina, I would think about coastal Carolina. Probably would be where I would go. If you had uh, to think still, about this after so, living in so, South Carolina. Ah, so when I was when I was a child, right when I was when I was going to when I was going into high school, mm -hmm. everybody was going to UT or AM, UT or AM. And I was like, let me go Texas State. Let me build my own path. Right. So I imagine if I was in South Carolina, Clemson, USC, Clemson, USC, I'd be Coast Carolina. Sign me up, baby. So that that's where I go with it. This as a fan, too, is where I come in and like having no had basically no history of Texas State until I started writing for the star. And then now, obviously, um, but like 
I came into Texas State not knowing anything about the Sun Belt, who, what teams they played, if they were a good team or not. My own parents to this day uh, say, you know, we never even watched football games because they were so bad when we were there. Uh, my dad actually did see one of the national championship games, though. So that's kind of sick. But like, you know, Fairweather fan. Yeah, Fairweather fan. A little bit of a Fairweather fan, Mario Rodriguez. Sorry, Dad. Sorry, Dad. But, you know, it is what it is. People want to see winners. That's why they tune into this podcast. All right, so what rivalry do you want for Texas State? As somebody who knows nothing about the the conference, who's coming in at essentially like a little bit over a zero, I'm going to give you more knowledge than the average listener because you're on the podcast with me. Who would you want Texas State's rival to be? I, I don't know. Here's the thing. This is the thing that's debated all the time. Who is Texas State's rival? Does Texas so, State have a rival? Is it okay. just an open game for fucking anybody else in football, at least? Because we know in baseball, like those teams get really hot, uh, really, really kind of crazy around the Texas State, too, because of how much success they've had recently. Uh, Coastal's obviously a powerhouse. Southern's obviously a powerhouse. The basketball team has great uh, rivalries with Troy and Louisiana, if you want to call them that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know what they're called. Anyway, I, I guess I'd like to see Texas State and Troy have a better rivalry because they just beat the shit out of us all the time. Yeah. And it's at least a divisional rivalry, you know? Uh, I thought for a while Texas State had a pretty good like back and forth with South Alabama. But then you reminded me how good South Alabama is. And I'm like, mm, I don't want to see that. We already have kind of a built-in rivalry with Arkansas State after stealing uh, their president, Kelly Danfus. And, you know, they're kind of not supposed to be good this year. Okay, so that's a very interesting way to go about this. I said Arkansas State because we're both state schools. That's where I was with it at the beginning. Uh, I agree with you. Arkansas State, not very good. Our uh, ULL is another one because regionally it kind of makes a little bit of sense. And they hate us for whatever reason. They hate Texas State. They hate us because we're kept not a slur for French people living in Louisiana. Like, come on. Okay, say it again? You, so you also you can call them Lafayette. <laughs> I said we we're Bobcats and not a slur for French people living in Louisiana. Like, come on. That's so true. Uh, here's what I say. They hate I, us because they ain't us. Yes. Ain't us. Ain't um, us. The deal is, is that I would say Arkansas State would be my my pick because I I like the rivalry. Um I will say that we are geographically opposite because it is very easy to get to San Marcos. It is almost nearly, it's nearly impossible to get to Jonesboro, Lafayette, Louisiana to San Marcos, I think is the closest of the Sunbelt West teams. I'm, I'm 95% might be, sure. Might be ULM. Where's Monroe? I am. I might be ULM. I, I think it should be Louisiana. I think Louisiana should be the rival, but they've been really good at football. And now they're kind of coming back down to earth and Texas state is on the ascension. East is just jam packed. East is jam packed with rivals. So every game is a rivalry game out there on this side. Troy beats everybody up. South Alabama beats everybody up. Southern miss is going to beat everybody up. Um, that's another one that Texas state and Southern miss. Cause that would be a fun. If we can get good enough to compete consistently with S or uh, for uh, yeah, well, I guess it would be SMU. So Southern Miss, um, University, yeah. if if, if Methodist, we, I should say, right, or Southern yeah. Mississippi, some whatever, whatever they're called, it's Southern Mississippi. Um, yeah, I just don't know if it's University of or Southern Mississippi University, whatever. Point is, Southern Miss and Texas State. I would love that to be a rivalry, um, but then because that means we got really good. Uh, but yeah, of course, uh, I would love to see us like 
30 years from now appear on an ESPN 30 for 30 talking about Texas State's storied uh, rivalry with the Thundering Herd. I think that would be kind of fun. Well, I just I, think green and black versus maroon and gold. That's a good color combo, you know? If you wanted to make a ton of money this year, bet that as the Sunbelt Conference championship game. Mm. Or better yet, bet that in like 2029 and uh, see if you can get like pretty good odds on that. Because a dollar now, a million dollars later. It could be, could be. Um, and it, I, I think by that in 2029, we probably still wouldn't have a neutral site game. That probably isn't going to be a game on campus. So Texas State, this is your plea. Please win enough games to host Marshall in the 2029 Sunbelt Championship game. Well, that's when also every school will have to create a dome to play any game because of the intense heat that we're experiencing. Except except San, Mar- except San Marcos, yeah. where we play at It'd be like the city degrees. of fucking Ember, where we're underground. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you mentioned all these schools, right? Uh, I We talked about it last week, just the preseason expectations for each team and what I thought DJ Kinney put on basically his like press tour going, hey, uh, the Sunbelt is hard. <laughs> Make no mistake, this will be work, not just like an easy turnover. Yeah. If you, I'm sure you've looked at, as a new coach, the teams in the conference, especially in your division, defense, the best teams were mostly defensive teams and the kind of style of play. Talk about your offense and what you've done and how it, it meshes and how do you kind of foresee it with, with the strengths of the conference. Yeah, I, I think that's something that, that's very unique about it. I've noticed the same things. Obviously, you know, Troy went in the league last year and, and having one of the best defense and not the best defense in the country. Um, you know, I think we bring a, a unique style of play to the conference. Um, I know everyone has their version of the spread. We feel like, you know, we're, we're pretty unique in what we do uh, with, the, with our tempo and our splits and uh, being a run play action team. Um, and, and really, we just take what the defense gives us. There's nothing um, you know, too crazy about what we do. I think it's, you know, the, about the people in the room, uh, the way we go about our business day in and day out. Um, but yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I think we'll bring a unique style of play to, to the conference. And, and so in those preseason expectations, JMU uh, picked to win basically the East, even though they won't become bowl eligible, which I think is fascinating because of their ascension from F. Why are you punished from going up? You know, it doesn't make sense to me. But I hate JMU. I hate, hate, hate JMU. And when the they, Dukes run free, man, it's going to be hell for them. I hate JMU, man. And it's like the it's it's almost like we've unleashed this plague on the conference because they are going to kick everybody's ass. Like I, I legitimately mean everybody's at App State. You're our only hope. Maybe Georgia State finally gets out of their own way. But man, it's going to be rough because it's crazy. I know people were like, well, how did we lose to JMU? Well, JMU Stadium is very fucking nice. Well, you you got to remember, and I've said this for like two years now. I think that every FCS champion comes to the Sunbelt Conference and goes bowl eligible, but isn't winning except JMU. <laughs> JMU came in a national champion a few years prior and beat us up, beat everybody up. They came in. They're the bully on the block. The new kid comes to school. You're like, hey, I'm going to go sit next to that kid. And then he makes you eat your own crowns at lunch. Okay. That's what JMU did to us. And I hate him for it. This is how close like that whole East division is. Obviously, this preseason poll is based on points. You give a certain number of points every time you vote for a team to finish, you know, one through 14, right? In the conference, in both the East and West, respectively. So JMU picked to finish with 78 points. Sorry, this graphic's tiny, so I'm reading it on camera. 
and uh, Appalachian State picked to finish 75 points. Coastal Carolina picked to finish with 71. Dude, that's Marshall. Hmm? What's Marshall's? Marshall's picked to finish with 68. So that's so Coastal one through four, basically, for the East. I'm letting you know right now, Coastal Carolina will not be good this year. You don't think so? No, they got Tim Beck as the uh, new head coach. I do not trust Tim Beck with anything. If you gave him a plant to keep alive, I wouldn't trust him. Former Texas OC, Tim Beck. He's going to have Grace McCall, an NFL caliber quarterback, who went into the NFL uh, grading system, got his grade back, and said, I'm going to come back for one more year. So you know he's got the Tyler Jones like little, hey, let me go from a third round to a second round or whatever. I'm telling you right now, Coast Carolina is the biggest ceiling to floor team because you're right at the ceiling. Maybe they're competing for a Sunbelt East title. Maybe they knock off JMU right at the floor. Welcome to the Thunderdome, baby. It's yeah. Coastal Carolina and Texas state in the, in the hell hole. Well, when I bring up ball. those rankings too, it's really just like, uh, cause honestly, any of this could be whatever. Like if you have four teams that are all finishing in a poll, like within like five points of each other, that really is kind of anyone's league at that point, you know? So who's to say JMU or Coastal will even be good? They could finish back half, and we wouldn't even know it because you know. No, it's, it's JMU's going to be good. Yeah. Well, you know they can't win a bowl, so who cares? I, I would say <laughs> basically of the, just of the, scratch the season. Like, what do you uh, do? Like, I feel like that can't help recruiting, can it? Well, here's the thing. We said that last year, and because I, I thought for sure they would run it out and be like, yeah, you know, we'll have fun, and they wanted to beat everyone's ass. And the reason is, is because now you go to recruits and say, we weren't even playing for anything and we were taking their lunch money. Imagine when you come here and we can go to a bowl. And now with the expanded playoffs, you think, could JMU be the first team to win an FCS national championship and a national championship in the, the first same year that decade? Yeah. In the, in, well, it's not the same. It will, they will not do it the first year they're eligible. Can they do it in the first, like the first 10 years between the two? which would be insane, but all I'm going to say this, football, anything can happen. We see it crazy happen every Saturday in college football. JMU winning a national championship in 2030, would you be shocked, right? Nick Saban's retired. Dabo Sweeney's, like, coaching on the moon. Like, would you be <laughs> shocked? That's funny. Dabo Sweeney on the moon. I don't know. I'm interested. On, on the West, oh, yeah. is kind of a different story. Uh, yeah. Troy is finished to, or picked to finish with 92 points. And uh, South Alabama's right behind it, 85. So really, those are the two teams you basically have to look at in the West for to threaten for a, a Sunbelt Conference title. And then it's really like kind of like, will Texas State do anything? Will ODU do anything? Will Will anybody else kind of like go after those first two spots in the West? Will Southern Miss do anything? No. I think Southern Miss is more than the other ones. And look, the Coastal, well, Louisiana, I'm trying to get all my teams that have underachieved recently in order. Coastal Carolina underachieved last year. Louisiana underachieved last year. I think that Louisiana is due for an uptick after, but losing Billy Napier was more important than people gave it credit for. I think that they are due for an uptick just for the way that the program is built, the way that athletics department has built their football program. I will say this. I would be betting on Troy. Southern or uh, South Alabama to Southern Miss three big gap for the rest of them. I think it's those three in a big gap. The reason I bring up ODU is because they're the worst team in all of the Sun Belt in the East. Uh, they picked to finish with 17 points um, in the preseason coaches poll. That's right after. Yeah. Right after ULM, which picked to finish 20. 
So interesting thing about ODU, they hired the they hired the offensive coordinator for an FCS program. And it was a New York school. Anyway, point is, UIW had the number one scoring offense in FCS football last year. This team had the number two in the Patriot League, averaging about 50 points per game. So ODU is going to be a team that is similar to G.J. Kinney in that, can we put up a ton of points? So as a Texas State fan, if you're curious to see how the season is going to go for Texas State in the Western Division, that is not nearly as good as the East, right? Look at what ODU does week to week. And if they're having success against the East, then you can assume that Texas State will have success or at least a semblance of success in the few weeks coming up, right? Like if ODU puts up 50 points on Coastal, you can be like, okay, we know Texas State will be able to beat Louisiana, right? Or Arkansas, or we should on paper at least. Yeah. So that's kind of like our history lesson and like a brief preview of the season. I want to ask you one question. Yeah. I I sent you a very interesting uh, coaches. It might've been sports illustrated, sports illustrated minute. And they had John Summerall in there, not knowing anything about Troy. You read the thing about Summerall. What is your, uh, what is your takeaway from the Troy head coach? Okay. So this is an article by sports illustrated.com. And it has basically, what is this? It's like all like the most interesting coaches in college football, the most intriguing coaches of the college football season. I should say number 24 on the most intriguing college football coaches. This season is John Summerall from Troy. His first season, he finished 12 and 2, and people were like, This guy is literally the Messiah. I know that word is thrown around in college football a lot. We call like quarterback gurus and prodigies like Jake Spavadol. Uh, we're like, we're always looking for the next guy. This guy literally did it though. And he could have been 13 and 1 had it not been for basically like a like a Hail Mary touchdown that app threw. So kind of crazy that that even happened in the first place. Um, Troy obviously has had like a great history too. And so people are already thinking that this guy could be the next guy somewhere else, somewhere bigger, somewhere better, somewhere more crimson. I don't know. Who does he sound like to you? He's, uh, who does he sound like? Yeah, definitely not Mike McCarthy. I think he sounds a lot like Jeff trailer trailer. I, I saw that and I sent it to you because I think that if Texas State fans who know about the rest of Texas when it comes to football but don't care about the Sun Belt, I think you look at Troy like you look at UTSA, which is ironic because they beat UTSA in their bowl game. But I think you look at Troy like UTSA. Uh, Outside of UTSA not having the storied history that Troy does, they have a hot head coach, they have a great defense, and I I do believe that they are primed to win the conference again. But that that to me was the most iconic. easy imagery to put like a mirror image too. It's a hugely defensive conference, which kind of like you'll see like late in the season, like a lot of teams are banged up because of how hard these guys are playing every week, which I think kind of like lends itself to like, uh, maybe we do need kind of like an open air team that can kind of just air it out and see what happens. Uh, because like the brand of football that the Sunbelt plays is traditionally not as sexy as other teams. You'll have UTSA come in here and, John Summerall beat the shit out of him. Great. Wonderful for us. But, uh, you know, the Cure Bowl is not necessarily making a, a, like the, the amount of headlines necessary to sustain this conference. Ooh, okay. I like that take. I will say this. I've been saying it since day one that GJ got hired. 50 points per game is really cool. 
I don't know if that's happening in this conference. We will see. I will put this out here. I last time I told a head coach that his offensive or defensive game plan wasn't going to work. Uh, they called me crazy and then they ended up losing the national championship. So I want to preface it by saying this is that I'm one for one right now when it comes to telling coaches that their game plan wouldn't work. And when GJ comes on the podcast in a couple of weeks, I think it'd be a good question to ask. Now, just like realism. He also didn't really know that the that Texas State was the only Sunbelt school until he started, you know, really started digging around. I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird that they're on an island like that. And he's mentioned that in the press conference. I get it. Um, you know, one unique thing that, that I didn't really realize but before I took this job about the Sunbelt was we're the only Texas school in the Sunbelt, uh, which I think is really cool. So I'm uh, really excited to, to uh, represent the state of Texas as a proud Texan uh, in the Sunbelt and, and get this thing going. Uh, he knew that there's no way he didn't know that i wouldn't i think if you told me right i mean i don't know where did he play he played in hawaii or he didn't play there but he you know coached there obviously worked there and everybody thought he was going to take that tulsa job where's tulsa play what conference is that well tulsa's in oklahoma yeah so tulsa oklahoma is i just don't know where they play like what conference are they in i think it's usa usa cusa i think it's conference usa so the Sun Belt is obviously very high on all these teams uh, for good reason. Like they've made their money, I think, literally on creating upsets, creating mismatches in college football and like really capitalizing on that stuff. So now it feels like this year could be the year. I don't know. Are they in a year six? Are they in something like bigger than what they are? They've also talked about expanding like their bowl ish stuff with bowl partners. So perhaps another bowl or two to come in the future. Yeah. The bowl partner stuff is super important because you remember eyes on the conference makes the conference grow. hundred percent true. New Year's six bowl, dude. Are you insane? I don't know. I don't know. Zim. It could, Troy, could, could it happen? Could it happen? Troy would have to go 14 and 0. Remember I'm playing the part of the, the guy that, you know, I no, I, I understand that. I get that. Yeah. I, I, I get that. I understand the role you're playing. I'm letting you know that a New Year's six bowl at this point in 2023 is very unrealistic. Not for Texas State, right? <laughs> That's for sure. I, I think for any team. And, you know, UCF even, they went on like a... The thing about the group of five conference is you have to go undefeated multiple years in a row to get into that conversation. Like UCF, the year that they went 17 and, or 14 and 0 or whatever, and they, they ended up beating LSU. And they were like, oh, we should have been national champions. I think that was like 2017. Um they were undefeated like that season, but they had like a really good season before that. So, you know what I mean? And they were like a, a recognizable brand. The famous one to me is TCU in 2010. They should have been playing for a national championship in the BCS system. They got screwed ended up playing the Rose bowl beat Wisconsin made JJ walk cry. But, um, <laughs> they, they had been really good for like four years, three years. And it was like, it took all of that. And like, okay, now we're going to give you a major bowl. So if Troy can run this conference for two or three years, then yeah, maybe. But 2023, I do not think it's realistic for any Sunbelt team to be, or any fan base in the Sunbelt to be like, hey, New Year's Six Bowl? How bad do you wish, Ever Withers wish he had just stayed at JMU now? Uh, I don't, well, you know, it's one of those things like a, a, a butterfly flaps his wings and tsunamis happen on the other side of the world, right? Like, I don't know. I, I you maybe if he's there, like things work. I'm gonna go and be a dickhead Texas State fan and say they're not in a FBS program if he's there because they didn't win a national championship and all the other stuff. Um, but I you know maybe maybe he wishes he was back there, but I don't imagine he does.
Recently, I was going to a Minnesota Twins uh, baseball game, Jacob, and I was wearing my Minnesota Golden Gophers 1954 championship shirt. And you know how many good people came up to me to say, hey, my grandfather was on that team. It was one, but it was one more than I thought at Target Field. Well, I'd be shocked if they didn't. Those are pretty. Home Field does a great job with these shirts. It's a good throwback action for some of these. It's, it's one of those deals where, like, if you like that throwback look, this is the place for you. And if you like the newer looks, too, they got a, a bunch of really cool new designs that come out. It feels like every other week they're announcing a new school or a new design uh, for these uh, schools. Yeah. No, they're, it's a crazy new look for each team, basically, that they have. The bestseller this week was actually the Yukon Dairy Bar shirt. Mm. So, nah, they, I saw those on Twitter. Those look pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So use code square for anything on home field. Get 15% off your order if you're a first time user or first time orderer. 10% off if you're a returning orderer. And we Which thank I would be. You yeah. So. so I'll get my 10% off. Mm-hmm. Back to the show. This is also conveniently the last segment, basically, we have to produce completely on our own before all we have to do is just look at what the football team is tweeting and then speculate about it. Uh, This today actually is the first day of fall camp. We're 31 days out from this day of recording, recording this on what is this Wednesday, August 2nd. This podcast will be out Thursday night. Um, So we'll have like roughly over a month, a calendar month for G.J. Kinney to instill the offense with 50 plus newcomers on the team uh, to which he just ended like take back Texas class of 2023 has officially walked through the door. They are not planning to add any more people barring some major shakeup on the team um, to which we would be like, what the fuck is going on? Oh my gosh. Walk-ons walk-ons. Yeah. Oh, actually I have a walk-on number from Chris. You want to hear it? Yes. I, I was asking just random questions last week because I needed to clear up some stuff and we were obviously shoring up our coverage for, um, you know, the things that we were doing. As of right now, walk-ons on the team will be around 25 to 35 come, uh, you know, time to play ball, basically. That includes returning walk-ons and then the new ones that they were able to pick up in the spring and late summer. Now, does that count to the 50 new guys? No. that Those are all, like, transfers, remember? Like, the 34, like, transfers that they signed, and then what was it, 17 basically high school players. So the reason I ask that is that, does that mean that we have like 70 something actual new players who are coming on campus? If it's yeah, like taking to pra- like consideration, like practice team guys. Yeah. And like guys don't. that can't even play, you know, guys yeah. that get two concussions in the summer. It's like, Hey, you should probably set this team out, but you can work with the guys, you know, prepping the footballs if you want. That is a, uh, that's a lot of new guys. That's oh yeah. A lot of new guys. It's All right. Well, new guys, it's a lot of, not just new guys. DJ Kenny said that the biggest like detail he noticed today uh, was like basically the coaching staff needed to be better, like more on the ball, uh, kind of just setting the tone for what's to come. Uh, obviously, a big note for him today was the quarterback situation. And now the quarterback race shaping up between our guy, Malik Hornsby, who is an elite sports athlete. Shout out elite sports. Uh, use code square at checkout. <laughs> but also, um, TJ Finley, who's an SEC product, he basically saved, was it Auburn or LSU when they were down bad to a Sunbelt team, Georgia Southern, and uh, yeah, rescued them. So, I don't know. A lot of narratives really are just playing out in front of us. Malik had a good day today. Um, he, he was here in the spring, um, you know, probably too many mistakes today on day one, you know, just 
just mental mistakes that, that, that shouldn't happen, you know, if he's been here for the spring. Uh, but th that's part of it. It's day one for everybody. Uh, I thought TJ Finley uh, had a good day today. Still some, some, you know, it's his first day of practice with us. So, uh, obviously, he's six foot seven, 265 pounds. He can see over the line. He threw the ball really well. Um, but, you know, still has a lot of work to do. CJ, uh, once again, had some good days. I thought mentally he went uh, uh, to the right place with the ball. Just, um, you know, had some uh, missed throws. Yeah. I got to be really hard on these coaches in fall camp. I got to be really hard on these guys because uh, we have so many new new faces. They those, those, those players have to know what the standard is. Those players have to know what we expect every day when you have that many new people. So our coaches have to do a better job of – translating that onto the field today. That was probably my biggest takeaway. I, th I thought the coaches had to do a better job day one. Yeah. Yeah, I will say this. So you talk to the state and the coaches need to be better. What are they doing? Walking around with a hi, my name is stickers? Like, because that's what you yeah, kind of need I'm to not do. The one, like I'm not the one saying this guys. at the press conference. You know, that's GJ Kinney saying. Oh, no, I, I, I get that. I get that. I'm just, I'm just saying we need to be on the ball. We didn't know this guy's name. Like, I mean, shit. Like, who are you? I'm the, I'm the freshman. Okay, got it, got it. We had, it, you know, seventy something other guys. I you look, um, quarterback battle. You're already picking Hornsby, huh? You're you're making that as a stance of the podcast. I don't know if I want to make any player really like the guy on the team. You know, I I know for sure it's Ashton Hawkins. He's our best. Well, receiver. for the podcast, for the but podcast, for, yeah, for the podcast. Are are we a pro? Finley or a pro Hornsby podcast? Uh, I don't know. I went on Texan Live with Dave Campbell and said Malik Hornsby is our guy. That was also like, what was it, four months ago or something? Yeah, like? I was going to say, so you, you got to double down just for the take. You got to keep the take alive. I believe that. I believe in that. You got to keep alive. He's also like, if he isn't the guy, then that's kind of like on him. No, like it's like he's been there since the spring. He's had a chance to kind of flirt with this offensive system. And if he can't get it down behind center, like that's kind of an indictment really on the line because we lost our center to UIW. Uh, you stepped down. Actually, a guy that was also available for media availability today, Caleb Johnson, who's a transfer from UIW, was playing uh, guard, I believe, over there. But now is taking snaps at center along with Nash Jones, who was also at media day for the Sun Belt. We go back to what Ish said a week ago, and he was talking about how like Hornsby doesn't come to Texas State if you're not going to be the starter. TJ Finley doesn't come to Texas State if you're not going to be the starter. So what are these guys telling him? You know what I mean? Because this is the thing that people over or they overlook, they underestimate, right? If you lie to a kid, all these guys know each other. All these dudes know each other. They go to camps together. They got text message chains. It's not like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, where you could like tell one guy one thing, another guy another thing, and then the two will never meet, right? Now everybody knows everything all the time. So if you if you're if you're GJ, I almost said Spavital. If you're GJ and you're bringing in all these guys, what are you telling them? Like, because if one of them works and we are a bowl eligible team and we're winning games, no problem. If well, we're I think losing that, games, I think the easiest thing that you tell anybody, right, is like you have a chance to compete for the starting role. And then you tell the next guy, you have a chance to compete for the starting role. And you tell the next guy, you have yeah. a chance to compete for the starting role. That feels like what's going on in a lot of this is like, you know, basically the zeros are back at zero, right? At Texas State. And so they have a chance to kind of make themselves into whatever they want to make themselves as like not a carbon copy necessarily from UIW's offensive scheme, though it is going to be a lot of that. And then, you know, kind of just like whatever happens, happens. Obviously, they have TJ Finley, 6'7", 
so it's a different look than Malik Hornsby, who's I think is only like six feet something, but way faster than Malik. Obviously, more a different look completely. TJ Finley is more of like a pocket passer, and Malik is kind of like a run and scramble kind of guy. Now, what did our friend Coles McWilliams say today? Because he put he, two feet down very soundly on Malik Hornsby, I believe. I don't want to speak for our boy Colt McWilliams, uh, right? Yeah, that we said. I, I think you're right. I, I wanted to, but I wanted to get it from you. I he's very much a Malik Hornsby fan. It's uh, it's curious to see what happens. I'm a big body language guy, though. When I was watching GJ talk, I was like, oh, he kind of has. He basically he didn't trash Malik in that presser, but he was like, this we need to see way more of this guy than what we've seen at this point. And so, like, if you're not seeing that now, after like what Malik has been on campus for like at least three months, like you know, it's not really good. And so TJ's coming back, and he can like gain the offensive system in two weeks or less that would be really scary though uh, one good thing that gj did say about malik is that when things go bad he's the first one that can make the decision and be like we can extend this play we can do this we can do this and he's very good at making that call in that system so good because texas state does have a lot of things go bad to it frequently that's true so that's one narrative playing out currently the next i'd like to point out is um the running back situation, right? Lincoln Perry goes down with an ACL. What's going to happen? GJ, not worried. He says the running back room's still rolling. And, you know, he expects Denario Davenport, Ishmael Mahdi, all that group to kind of just shore it up. Calvin Hill, obviously, too. Dr. Calvin Hill. Running back room is so such an interesting spot because the offensive line has been so bad for so many years that the running backs have essentially been, like, non-essential workers where, like, you just throw <laughs> another one out there. You know what I mean? Like, it's just That's like... Good. I just, you know, I don't know what to expect um, from any of the running backs. So you hope that because UIW is bringing back an offensive line that averaged a ton of rushing yards, a ton of passing yards last year, uh, that and you brought most of those guys to Texas State with you, you would hope that the running backs make some semblance of an impact. But again, like, you know, you're asking me in August 2nd, I couldn't tell you one way or the other what we can expect from the running game. I can tell you what I expect from the wide receivers, the tight ends, Running backs are complete, not like I have zero clue. Now, obviously, we've gotten a chance to hear from, you know, I mentioned earlier Caleb Johnson. He goes by Big Show. That's his nickname. He has a shaved head. He's huge. It is. That's how, that's how I got it. I mean, um, it was probably the second season I started at UIW. Uh, I shaved my head, so I, I'm kind of, I've only been bald headed for uh, about three years now. And when I shaved my head, I mean, just after that day, they started calling me Big Show because he's a big guy. Uh, they wanted me to wear a lead target practice one day, but I, was, <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, it's a big show. You know what I'm talking about. It's a WWE reference. And yeah. uh, Nash Jones. Those are the two kind of guys we've heard of from. If their like, unit is not good, I'll be very concerned because that's like something that they've been like pivoting on. You know, like, hey, we this is like this is going to be basically our entire offense is going to be built on this line and the chemistry that these guys have from uiw man we talked to brian london earlier this summer and he was telling us how good the offensive lines were in the sunbelt conference the defensive lines at tech state plays are insane in fact i was i was waxing poetically about marcus davenport today a minnesota viking now uh but he was at utsa and i took my parents to that game and he absolutely crushed texas state absolutely destroyed them. um and Offensive line problems, you know what I mean? So I, I'm hoping that the offensive line is the key to the success this season. Uh, you know, the running back room, you lose a guy, you hope the next guy steps up. And last kind of football headlines, um, 
this past weekend, right before fall camp, they ho- they also hosted class of 2024 guys. They got a couple commits, obviously guys that are looking to kind of make a commitment before their senior year. You go into the year, you know what you got, you know, you can kind of see what it's built for you really ahead of national signing day in February. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of sick horses and Ferraris for take back Texas. Oh, come on. With the graphics that our guy made, they had to. Like it was almost he pinned him in a corner. It was like, yeah, all right, we true. either we either can get forty foot tall bobcats or we rent some horses and Ferraris. And they were like, you know what? The uh the make big o machine is broken, so we gotta go get the rents. Go rent. And I mean it works good. Oh, I was gonna say if I see GJ driving around in Ferrari, I then I'm concerned because it's like, did he lease it? Did another school buy it for him? Then I'd be worried. I know he's not getting a Ferrari on a Texas State budget. Well, like, he's got to you know. stay true to his working man roots, you know, in that F1 or whatever, that Ram 1500 that he did the press conference in. So yeah, it's Tacoma. That's the only way I want to see him zoom in from press conferences or our own show. It's going around. Yep. <laughs> well, cool. That's kind of what is developing this week, you know. Um, I got one more thing before I go. Oh, OK. I know that the folks on YouTube and on Twitter and everywhere are going to give me grief for this hat. Okay. Boston. I want to point it out. It's not a Boston hat. So I cover two high schools up here. I cover two summer ball teams up here. One of the summer ball teams, won state, the other one gave me this and I've been repping them. I've been supporting them because I, I like their head coach. I like everything else, but it is not a Boston Red Sox hat folks. It is a Breckenridge American Legion post 53 hat. All right. I don't want to hear any comments. I don't want anything in the, in the, in the Twitter mentions. I don't want to see anything on Facebook. I'm letting you know right now. That's not what this is. Okay. We, I knew uh, we did this whole pot. We did our podcast and the whole time I was thinking, I got to get this off my chest. So here it is. Does it say anything to denote that? It does. Oh, okay. Post 53. And they, they have this like thing on the side. I don't know. This All right, hey, can you whatever. give me 50 Boston Red Sox hats? And then can you just embroider post 53 on it? It's not. Well, the thing is too, is it's like, it's a different, uh, it's a different like feeling of a hat. You know, I'm a big hat guy. It's a different vibe. It's a nice hat. I like the hat. But... That's nice. Yes. But I want I have to clear a... that up. I have a shout out too. shout out Drake Hughes, your assistant strength coach met you on the river last week. Thanks for watching the show. Thanks for following us on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at square and pod. We're also on Facebook, same feed, same everything, same memes. And the entire time I was watching that conference with JJ Kinney, I could not uh, stop thinking about that one meme I have of him as the driving crooner because he looks just like our guy from Tim Robinson. I think he should leave Tim Robinson. Exactly. From Detroiters. <laughs> I go deep cut SNL. Yeah, I'm a deep, deep Tim Robinson guy. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for watching, everybody. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, they're trying to make it look fake. God damn it. Make what look fake? The hat and the cigar. You're driving with the driving crooner, baby. We ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking bashes. Better not come any closer. Thanks for listening. New episodes out every Thursday. Follow the boys on Twitter. Eat them up. Eat them up.